So I often wonder when a company or an organization says that they have a diversity program, do they really, really understand what that means and should be? My conversation with Teresa Lamb is all about creating the experience for the people in the organization based on embracing their differences because it is that rich culture. It is their past, their heritage, their upbringing. I also talk about this on the CEO's Compass, the past, the diversity of the people we bring together is so important for those highly innovative and successful companies. But I ask again, do you really understand what diversity means or should be? Is it simply a physical attribute that you can visibly see? The number of females, the number of Black or Asian professionals, is that what we really need? And certainly we should have representation. But diversity of thought is what is common and what is also needed. A quick story, I do remember being brought into an organization specifically because I was not from that business. I was not from the industry and they wanted different thinkers because that's the only way you can bring in innovation. But as I wound down that particular career and I came through with innovative ideas and new ways of thinking in terms of leadership, it was met with dissent. That's not the way we do things. And it was only later a few colleagues said, we need people like you to think differently. And so I ask you again, do you truly have a diverse work culture that not only has all of the physical demographics covered, but you truly embrace diversity of thought? Let's listen to our amazing conversation with Teresa Lamb. The notion of diversity is diversity itself. It's not about just focusing on diversity from an attribute perspective, gender, race, all that. Those are easy things to look at in one of the metrics, but certainly everyone is diverse, right? So even if you're a white male, you have diversity of experiences and diversity of thought. So we do have a focus on bringing more diverse from an attribute perspective, from a race and and gender, because we want to represent people of the world in our company. But more importantly, I think that next step is making sure we are inclusive, embracing diversity of thought from around the world, from different functions, from different experiences, from people at different companies as well. It really drives innovation and collaboration across the company. Because even if you bring in more females or more Black Americans into the company, unless you have a culture that really embraces the diversity of thought of those people, you're not going to get anywhere. All you're showing is representation of diversity attributes. Exactly. Tick in the box. Welcome to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I'm Deb Coviello, and as the Drop-In CEO, I drop into businesses and assume the CEO role to enhance the human element and increase the results they achieve. This podcast is about bringing you conversations with expert guests who have achieved their greatest results built on a strong foundation of purpose, values, and elevating people. If you're a business leader, entrepreneur, or even just getting started in business, join us as we build the skills you need to achieve your goals. Hello, I am Deb Coviello, founder of Illumination Partners and the Drop-In CEO brand. I want to thank you for joining me on another episode of the Drop-In CEO podcast. I have the good fortune of interviewing amazing leaders and bring their insights and inspiration to you. And so please, if you love this interview, and I know you will, please subscribe 
rate, review, so we can bring you great programming. And thank you to everybody. The downloads are increasing. Get the word out. This is an amazing resource for you. And so today, I am honored to share the mic with my amazing guest, Therese Lamb. With us today is the Chief People Officer at Wind River. Therese brings over 20 years of HR experience in both large multinational and medium-sized high-growth organizations spanning across the globe. She excels at transforming organizational culture to be more inclusive and energized. Welcome to the show, Therese. Thank you, Deb. Really, really honored to be part of the show. So thank you for inviting me. Your background is so interesting. And for my listeners, when I looked at her background, there were so many things that were interesting. Yes, we are growing. We have gone through transformation. We've had a pandemic. I know we don't need to date these things, but this is an awakening for organizations. They need to revisit how have they been leading their organizations, supporting their people, and set them up for success, for growth, and in the future. And Teresa has an amazing background. We need to do this work now because there will be another crisis in the future. We don't want to be caught off guard. We want our people and our organization healthy, sustainable, and energized. Therese, I would love for you to share with our listeners more about yourself personally. I know there's a lot of good stuff in there, also your career journey, and more about the amazing work that you're doing now. Well, thank you, Deb, for the question. I'm Vietnamese. Actually, I was born in Vietnam, and I left Vietnam when I was two years old as a refugee with my parents at that time, of course. And uh, we moved, migrated to Australia when I was uh, two and a half, uh, something like that. And of course, I've got siblings and, and, and that as well since then. And I, I am a mother of a 16-year-old son, keeps me very, very active. And I originally yeah, grew up in Australia, did my university degree in Australia, my first decade of experience in, in HR started in Australia. And I guess the, the pivotal moment for me in my career was when I worked for a French company, Alstom, uh, out of Australia. That really provided me the opportunity to go abroad. And so I was expatriated to Singapore for a few years there to lead HR for Asia Pac. And then I moved to France, the HQ, uh, specializing in learning development and then talent management before I I moved to the US and at that time, GE also acquired Alstom. So, uh, so you know, big transformation journey that I went through many times actually you know, throughout the career through different acquisitions and, and business transformations as well. Over the last uh, three years, I've been with Wind River and, uh, you know, leading the people or HR function for the organization and really helping Wind River to transform to become a high growth organization and culture as well. So it's been a wonderful journey, been very fortunate to have lived in so many different uh, countries that I have. And uh, it's attributed to, you know, working in international companies as well. So very fortunate. Thank you for all of that. And it's amazing the opportunities, maybe some challenges and the transformation you've had to go through. So I'd like to just start a little bit with yourself personally, having been on so many continents I'd love to know a little bit more about how have you transformed as a person? Is there any particular experiences that define who you are now by having the opportunity or challenges of living in all these different areas? You know, certainly having a um, what we call a growth mindset or a openness to different cultures is very important. I think being, you know, firstly being a foreigner, right, being a Vietnamese in a foreign country where, you know, it's uh, predominantly 
uh, white Australians, right, and, and growing up, you know, in, in that sort of being a minority taught me a lot of things about, you know, cultural integrations, right, because my parents are Vietnamese, they speak Vietnamese, they really don't really speak, you know, English very well. So I was fortunate enough to to, to be bilingual. But, you know, certainly that uh, has shaped me the way that I am today. So I'm not fully Australianized, but I'm not all Asian either. So that's helped me to when I moved to Singapore, where it's all Asians, it was completely opposite, you know, moving to a country where it's all Asians and trying to fit in, right? So even though I look Asian, I didn't feel I fit in either, right? Because because of my my mindset and the way that I thought was very westernized as well, right? So it's a bit of a combination of both. So, uh, you know, so learning the culture there, learning how people tick, you know, being HR, you have to be really good at reading people. So that's a skill that I learned over time. I did, wasn't born with it. And so, uh, you know, reading people, understanding the new, different nuances as well, and different cultural aspects, because even in Asia, you know, Singaporeans are different from Malaysians, are different from Japanese, are different from Vietnamese, right? So understanding all those nuances. And then, of course, moving to France and seeing the big cultural differences there and being able to travel around Europe and seeing the differences between, you know, the British and the French and the Spanish and how they like to operate, how they think the Germans are very different as well, right? So you, you, you get to stereotype, right? But then you have to also recognize the uniqueness of people as well so you it's a really fine balance right to make sure that you don't stereotype and generalize people based on what country or culture that they were upbringing because if you look at me yeah I'm from Australia as I said but I'm a combination of different things I I I even now I look back I, I don't believe that I'm Australian Vietnamese I feel like I'm me I'm I'm unique me right because of all the experiences and different countries company cultures and, and what I've learned also, because I've worked for Alston, which is a French company that had very strong French influence, We're then transitioning to GE, which is a, you know, American company with very strong US influence, I saw the huge differences in terms of how people communicate to one another, some of the misunderstandings as well, right, that you can see between the differences. So I think I, you know, that's why I really and passionate about driving, you know, a diverse and inclusive culture. And that's one thing I'm really proud of what we're doing at Wind River and having a black CEO, Kevin Dallas, one of a few of CEOs out there who is, is black, is just a great experience and an honor to be able to do because I really do truly believe in the diversity of thought, diversity of backgrounds that people, different perspectives as well. Thank you for all of that. And I was going to go there and you just brought that up. And certainly it is easy and obvious to hire and have a diverse workforce based on different cultures and how we appear on the outside. But sometimes I think people might miss the mark. They seek that diverse external diversity, but rather they should be in search of the diversity of thought, regardless of the culture. And I'm wondering what your position is on that is how do you lead in being a chief people officer, diversity of thought, diversity of culture, what is it? I'm curious. Yeah, so so the, the, the notion of diversity is diversity itself, right? So it's not about just focusing on diversity from an attribute perspective, gender, you know, race, all that. I mean, that, that those are easy things to, to look at in one of the metrics. But certainly, you know, everyone, what I say at uh, Wind River is everyone is diverse, right? So even if you're a white male, 
you have diversity of experiences, right, and diversity of thought. So, so, so yes, we do have a focus on bringing more di- diverse from an attribute perspective, you know, from a race and, and gender, because we want to represent, you know, the people of the world in our company. But more importantly, I think that next step is making sure we are inclusive, embracing diversity of thought from around the world, from different functions, from different experiences, from people at different companies as well, right? So I think that that's really important and it really drives innovation and collaboration across the company. Because even if you bring in more females or, you know, more Black Americans into the company, unless you have a culture that really embraces the diversity of thought of those people, you're not going to get anywhere. All you're showing is representation of diversity attributes. Exactly. Tick in the box. I really appreciate this. And this brings up a story that I had, and I talk about this in my book, The CEO's Compass, was really the beginning of knowing that I had an alternative thoughts and I didn't fit in. I gave a presentation at a global meeting and everybody was expecting the same kind of presentation. What was I going to do in the following year? And instead, I stopped from a place of how was I going to be as a leader? What were my values? What was the outcome I was looking for? And how was I going to lead differently and elevate my people in order to get a result? And my leadership didn't embrace the format of that presentation. So I felt a little bit deflated after presenting it and they didn't appreciate it. But then my colleagues came to me later on and says, we need more people like you. I said, if we keep hiring the same people that think the same way, you're going to get the same result. We need people that think differently. So all of those people out there that feel like they don't fit in, you probably fit in someplace like a place like Wind River. And and we pride ourselves. We really do pride ourselves on being a people-first company. I was talking to one of the founders of a company that we just recently integrated, actually acquired and integrated, and uh, just to get her feedback on her first two months, actually, with, uh, with Wind River now. I remember, you know, and I was so proud when she said this, is that I really feel the culture you are building. It's not just, you know, some words on a slide or, you know, I really do feel that. And I really feel that it's a people first culture. So I was really happy to, to hear that because that's what we, we strive to, you know, in, in HR um, or at the leadership level is not to have culture as just words on the wall right, but really is a felt experience, a lived experience in the company. And diversity and inclusion is definitely one of those key cultural attributes for us. But it all starts with, you know, making sure that everyone is listening and empathetic to each other, right, and have a growth mind, what we call growth mindset. And, you know, a notion that you keep challenging yourself, uh, you empathetic to others as well, of course, right, but really focused on broadening that, that mindset of yours to other perspectives is really important here. Now, what you just said, another thing that got me thinking a little bit, you said that your company prides itself in a growth culture. So often leaders will think about, okay, what do I need to do to get more market share? Do I need additional resources, a footprint, assets, et cetera, in order to have growth? But what does it mean to have a growth culture and what is that impact on the overall business? Because again, a growth culture is one thing, but how does it impact the business overall and how is it good for the people? Just share more with me about that. Yeah, yeah. So I'll just share with you the journey that we've been on because then that'll answer your question, Deb. So when I started in 2019, we were, and what appealed to me actually to Wind River was that the, the transformation that we needed to drive, where we were part of Intel, 
we split out of Intel, part of a, a company, portfolio company, TPG, and uh, we were trying to really, uh, and the company had been really struggling for growth, right? Been very stable, even sometimes declining in some instances, um, some of the years. And so, uh, you know, the, the, the biggest inhibitor for us was people who've become, you know, quite, you know, complacent, but also feeling that the, the, the company was uh, was okay, right? And, and and that we didn't need to do anything more than what we had, which was the VXWorks operating system. So the the whole energizing you mentioned earlier, energizing is really key to driving that growth culture, right? Energizing people on the why of the company. Why do we exist, right? What's the mission? And then you can look at what's the culture that we need to be able to execute on that new vision that we have. So, you know, coming up with a, with a vision and the why that really resonated with employees was not something that was uh, born overnight, right? It took actually a, a few years for us to get it right. And certainly when we got it right, people were hyper-energized around that mission and vision, the direction that they could be behind, right, that they could be inspired by. And so when I went out there and asked employees about what culture do you want to be a part of? You know, surprisingly, many of them were saying, well, you know, we don't, we don't need to change our culture. We like our culture. So it's like, okay, you know, let's maintain some of the great culture that we have. But if we want to drive growth and we want to be that innovative company, right, what does that mean? And so then, you know, we got a lot of great ideas coming from employees. And funny enough, you know, employees from Romania to Korea to Canada to China, we're all saying the same thing. They want to be part of a winning culture. They want to be part of a culture that takes bold moves and not be conservative. They want to be part of a culture that really is about family and people. We said, okay, at the executive level, once I, you know, consolidated it all, okay, what, what does this all look like for us? Like bringing it all together. And so we came up with five key guiding principles for us. And the cornerstone of that all was growth mindset, like to change our culture or to say evolve our culture, right? Evolve our culture from where it was really required everyone to have that growth mindset. So then, you know, people can challenge themselves, challenge each other, feel that they can experiment, feel that they can fail because to be innovative and grow, you need to experiment. You need to be outside your comfort zone, right? So you need to be comfortable with that. So we've been on that journey for the last three years. And what I learned was that really driving growth mindset is the pinnacle, is the key to everything. The last year, what I've learned is that just doing basic training on what growth mindset is, was not enough. And so Renee, who's my senior director for organizational development, she, she and I put together a boot camp called the, the Grow Boot Camp. And it's a personal and professional journey for people over 15 weeks. And it doesn't stop there, of course, right? It's an ongoing journey, but really to dive into different themes that help you know yourself personally to grow. And we've just had phenomenal feedback from people about their own growth journey. I would love to jump all over that because first of all, thank you for that. You've explained it. I wish I could work for Wind River right now. It, it's, it's so invigorating. I mean, you talk and what I'm getting the feeling is it's not just an initiative because if it's just an initiative on top of everything else that people are doing, people are going to feel drained and say, okay, how am I going to get this done? But you sound like it's very integrated into every conversation and function. But what you also have said is we've trained the people. But people only retain so much they need to apply. So initiating the boot camp 
a mentoring program, some hands-on practicality of what we're doing, role-playing, whatever it is, takes concepts and turns them into action. So I celebrate. It sounds like it's been an amazing journey for you. Yes, and we're not done yet. <laughs> we're not done yet. Uh, you know, growth culture. I mean, by the the, the notion of uh, of growth is continuing, right? To 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 grow and to challenge yourself and to 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 develop, right? And develop the company as well. So, from that culture, obviously, we want to drive growth in revenue for the company, right? But it needs to start with individuals and teams. But I have a question because intuitively we get that it can drive top line revenue growth. But how do you paint a picture in the connectivity between having a growth culture and energized workforce and either the connection or the hope or a roadmap that says it helps with top line growth? How do you make that connection? Having a growth culture alone is not enough, of course, right? You've got to have a vision and a strategy that, you know, really from a go-to-market, from a product perspective, is going to help you and, and going to support the, the sales folks to you know drive growth in your revenue. So I'm not I'm not at all <laughs> saying that a growth culture and that's it, right? It, it's the the vision, the mission, and uh, everything in between in terms of the go-to-market and the business model and all of those. So we've been driving transformation in every aspect of our business, including our product as well, which. You know, we've been getting really good feedback from from customers. And so applying the growth mindset and the growth culture to that, right, listening, right, as I mentioned before, listening to our customers, going out there with the MVP, listening to our customers, coming back, bringing that back, integrating it into, in an agile way, into our product, into our roadmap, getting feedback, having a feedback loop, and that's all components of a growth culture. Beautiful. And I wish more companies, more CEOs would think more deeply about this because investing in the people can have a higher payoff than you ever thought by hiring more salespeople or having new products. But I have a question here and maybe I'm naive, but is a chief people officer an HR person rebranded or is there something differentiating about what that role represents? Yeah, no, that is a great question. Look, I really never liked the word human resources because it denoted people as resources, right? So I, I was more than happy to to transition to people. And I did that very quickly at, at Wind River. The the point of it is that we need to humanize everything that we do, right? And it is about people. Companies, and I heard one of your podcasts, and I could totally agree, companies are made of people, right? So we're a technology, Wind River is a technology company, but I actually say, no, we're a people first company because it's the people who actually build the technology, who actually comes up with the ideas. So we need to take care of our people first because especially in this great resignation era that we're all feeling it, all of us feeling it, even if you've got the, the highest engagement, right? You're all feeling the great resignation. And so humanizing Everything that we do, from the messages we send, from the vision, our mission, our culture, you know, how we engage with our customers, how we lead them through, you know, uncertainty, how do we help them to be better versions of themselves at work and at home, that human connection is so, so important. So I much prefer this new evolution from human resources to people for that, for that very reason. Now, one other question before we start bringing it to a close, because what you do and what you represent is very interesting to me. So your company made a conscious decision through their marketing to put the thought leadership out there, engage you as a representative and agent of the company, 
to be out there, speak the message of the great work you do, to be a steward of the company. And potentially, obviously, it would attract certain customers, but also just putting it out there because we should be doing that. And I'm curious, where did that come from? Because sometimes you have CEOs of companies that say, I don't need to put thought leadership out there. I just need to get the results. But instead being outwardly focused, I think they're missing the mark. So tell me, why did your company follow that journey? Yeah, yeah. Very good question. So I do think that if we as a company want to be seen out there as leading and pioneering the the future of the machine economy, right, with our solution around intelligent system, intelligent edge, we need to be seen as thought leaders, right? And thought leaders, not just in the technology space, but also in the people space as well. Like as much as you're representing the company, you're also representing the people right? We're also representing what we stand for as well. So it was very important. And, you know, my CEO and my CMO asked me and said, Therese, you play a critical part in this leadership in the way that we represent the company. So they asked me to do much more of these podcasts because normally, yes, you know, you see the CTO, you see the CEO go out there and be those thought leaders. But certainly when River, I mentioned the, the people first, culture and that representation was very critical from their perspective as well. Outside my comfort zone, though, outside of my comfort zone. <laughs> no, and you're doing fantastic here because what that does for me is like now I feel your company and I still, we haven't even talked about technology or what is it that you do. And that doesn't matter. It's about the emotional connection you've made with me about like, wow, that's a great company. Open that door first. And the talent will come to you because they already know and say, oh, that sounds like a company I want to work with. And then we can talk about the details about how can we work together. So I love, love, love the work that you do. We're going to be bringing this to a close shortly, but if there were any last messages, I don't know, to CEOs out there that maybe haven't embarked on this journey, anything that they could potentially start doing now to follow the path that you guys have paved. The only, the only advice is that as CEOs thinking about driving growth, right? And I'm sure every company, whether you're in a stagnant mode and dry, trying to drive growth or in, in your growth company that's driving higher growth, right? Don't just think of the, the mission and the, the vision, the strategy. Think about the, the culture, but making that culture a real felt lived experience, right? For, for, for the people, because it goes a long way. The, the people connection and the, the the culture that is really felt by everyone in the company. So uh, yeah, that's all my advice would be. And that's why your brand, your company's brand, Wind River resonates with me because in the CEO's compass, one of the compass points that sometimes we forget about is the culture. And we come together, diverse backgrounds, we acquire companies. Unless we take the time to respect the cultures that come in, we never know when we might need to leverage it you miss something. People don't come with their all. Uh, you have to pay respect to the culture of the people. So that's why I enjoy this conversation so much. So Therese, I just want to thank you on behalf of the Drop-In CEO podcast and your company for sharing you with us. I just want to wish you continued success and thank you so much. You've been a great guest. Thank you so much, Dave. I thoroughly really enjoyed the, the last 25, 30 minutes of our discussion. So I really hope I could help your audience and uh, really thoroughly enjoyed the discussion with you as well. So thank you. All right. We'll have all of the information in the show notes. Reach out to Therese to learn more about Wind Rover. And I wish everybody amazing success. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. My new book, CEO's Compass, will change the way you think about leadership. 
navigate rapid transformation, and elevate the leaders of tomorrow. If you're feeling off track, the CEO's Compass Assessment will guide you to peace of mind in days, not months. You can learn more about the CEO's Compass by visiting my website at dropinceo.com. Now go out and lead, inspire, and achieve your goals.